<laughs> hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 800 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, October the 7th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean, and you can find the show at LockedOnRaptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. Uh, and, of course, please make sure you're checking out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network. The NHL draft was last night. Lots of fun things took place there. We had a fun live show. If you tuned into that, thank you very much. And if you did not, you can listen to all the local shows breaking down their team's first-round picks and looking ahead to the rest of the draft, the, I don't know, 7,000 rounds of the NHL draft that will be going down today and tomorrow. So please go and check those out if you're a hockey fan. And then, of course, with the NBA, we've got Locked On Heat, Locked On Lakers, and Locked On NBA covering the finals in depth for you. So go listen over there. Our pal Katie Heindel was on a very recent episode of Locked On Heat with Dave Ramil talking about Jimmy Butler, of course, because uh, nobody loves Jimmy Butler more than Katie Heindel. Another guest that we love on this here podcast, and it's probably fitting that he's the one here on episode number 800, considering he's probably been on more episodes than anybody else in the history of the pod. Uh, he's here to continue on with our 2019-20 season review series. We're going to talk about Fred Van Vliet. He is Vivek Jacob. Big V, what's going on, pal? Nothing much. I'm excited to be here for the big 800. Um, yeah, it's going to be a fun conversation about Fred. I feel like there's lots to talk about. Uh, an awesome season. And yeah, let's get to it, man. It's a lot of episodes, man. <laughs> <laughs> just to do the math here 30 minutes times 800 that's 24,000 minutes divided by 60 that's 400 hours of listening to us uh, mm-hmm. so thank you I suppose I could have done that math in my head considering the episodes are uh, half an hour but whatever uh, I'm not here for math I'm here to give you Raptors takes which apparently you like enough to listen to episode number 800 so thank you very much uh, if you're one of the diseased individuals who's listened to every single episode, I know there's at least one out there. Shouts to Brandon. Um, I, I, I don't know what to say. I'm sorry, but thank you either way. Uh, all right, let's get into it, Vivek. We are going to continue on, as I said, with the 2019-20 season review episodes uh, going player by player across the roster. And today we come to one Fred Van Vliet, who we all love, of course. These uh, Freddie Melons, as I tried to call him early in the season, it didn't quite stick, unfortunately even though it should have because it's a very good nickname and I'll stand by it forever. Uh, He finished the season, 54 games played, 54 games started, 17.6 points, 6.6 assists, 3.8 rebounds, 39% from three on nearly seven attempts a game from downtown. And then in the postseason, you know, his series against the Celtics was a hit and miss. There was some good, there was some bad. But for the most part, against the Nets in particular, he was outstanding, basically the Raptors' best offensive player in that series. He finishes the postseason in 11 games, 39 minutes a game, just under 20 points a game, 7 assists, 4.5 boards, shot 39% from 3 once again. Of course, the finishing around the rim, I'm sure we'll get to, is sort of the big bugaboo with Fred Van Vliet. But for the most part, you cannot quibble much with what Fred Van Vliet has done for the Raptors this season, a season that began with us not even sure if he was going to be the starter. We kind of, I know we talked about this on our uh, our over-under review podcast a couple weeks back that uh, Sahal ended up beating both Vivek and I over the course of the season. We all picked Norm Powell to start more games than Fred Van Vliet this season. We were all horribly wrong with that. Um, so Vivek, let's start there. 
you know, compared to what your expectations were for Fred coming into this season, coming off of what was a, you know, admittedly up and down postseason run where obviously he got crazy hot after his son was born and in the final 10 games or so of the playoffs. But before that, it was a little bit of dark times for Fred. Coming into this year, what were your expectations and what were you surprised about from what you saw from Fred this season uh, as he kind of, I think, overshot most of our expectations? Yeah, my expectations coming into this season was that Fred and Norm would sort of be in a timeshare at the other guard position playing off Kyle, just the way Serge Ibaka and Marcus All were in a timeshare the year before. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, at least going into the playoffs and, you know, and Serge and Valanciunas as well. Uh, so... That's what that's what my expectation was, and then I thought Norm would just get more starts by virtue of his size and probably you know being uh, the better suited matchup on more nights. But again, Fred Fred got the opening night start, and right from then on made the position his own. He had that you know I think him and Pascal com- combined for almost seventy points on that opening night. I think each of them had thirty four. Mm-hmm if I yep. remember correctly. And ever since there, he, he kind of just wrote it out and uh, he showed that they, he and Kyle are perfectly adept at defending whoever is presented to them uh, in the opposing backcourt. And he's similar to Kyle in his ability to hold his own in the post. Uh, Kyle's obviously better at it, but I think he showed enough there. And then again, you you look at his ability to defend up top. You know his hands uh, constantly digging at guys and creating deflections and steals and helping the Raptors transition game in a huge way that way. And then his scoring uh, that elevated to another level as well. You know Nick Nurse jokes about how as soon as uh, Kawhi decided to go to LA. Uh, and then Fred found out. Fred said, hey, I'm coming for those shots. And he he's earned a bunch of them because uh, I thought he was really effective outside of, you know, getting to the rim. And even with that, I think I'm encouraged by the fact that he is able to break down his man. And so I think the next step now is when they're all sort of just playing him to come all the way to the cup, just go ahead and pull up for that mid-range J. I, I would really want, I can't stress enough how much I want him to work on that mid-range jumper mm-hmm. uh, and just be able to pull up off the dribble because he's got a pretty good crossover and he's able to, you know, really break down his man from up top. It's just a question of, you know, that in-between game coming along. Yeah, the in-between game is important, right? This season, just looking at the basketball reference, shooting splits by distance, uh, 55% uh, inside three feet, which is an improvement over the 2018-19 season where he was at just 51.6 and so that's like a nice sign of some progress there obviously the finishing around the basket still remains to be uh you know improved considering he's six foot six feet tall i'm not sure that's ever going to happen but there's some potential there and he's got i think a little bit more creativity in terms of the way he gets his shots up and the English he puts on the ball and things like that. I think that was a notable achievement this season. But this year, between 3 and 10 feet, just 23% from the field. 10 to 16 feet, just 27.6. And then 16 feet to the, to the three-point arc, just 32.6. It just 
Doesn't have much of a floater game. Doesn't have, like you said, that sort of stop-and-pop mid-range game when he can get around a guy, maybe take advantage of a dropping big or anything like that. And that's, you know, it's all part of the progression. He's still only 25 years old. This was his first season in sort of a more dominant ball-handling role after being just a really damn good bench player and going up against second units for the most part in his first three seasons. And I I think there's reason for optimism there. Obviously, I think the ceiling on his offensive potential is always going to be kind of capped by the fact that he's just not like the most explosive guy, and he's also not the biggest. If he was explosive and small or a little bit bigger and not quite as explosive, that might balance out a little bit more, and he might be able to milk a little bit more out of that ceiling. But I don't know. Like, What do you think is a reasonable expectation for him in terms of his improvement from that area of the floor? Like, Do you expect him to kind of you know, find that sort of Kyle Lowry in between game where he's so successful at sort of going to his left and those little turnaround elbow jumpers and things like that? Or is it something a little bit more muted than that that's just sort of a reasonable part of his offensive repertoire that maybe is not like a go-to type of thing? Yeah, I don't know that it becomes a go-to type of thing. But again, I think the most encouraging point is the fact that he can get there, right? If, if he wasn't able to break down his man then that's really discouraging because then you're just looking at someone who um, is jacking up threes. And so uh, I think he's got a a really smooth stroke. And I think it's just a question of recognizing when that shot is there and consistently. And and frankly, that's what's going to even help his rim finishing because if he can consistently look for that option and pull up from there, bigs aren't going to be able to, drop or, or uh you know his his man when they're trailing they're gonna have to be a bit more wary and so i i, I think that's what's going to open up the lane a bit more to get to the rim and maybe you know now whereas the, the last couple season we we've seen him get to the rim and just you know get his shot blocked or just be extremely contested at the rim Maybe that, that, that's what opens it up a bit more because now teams are like, okay, that's the shot that he is going to take every time we give it to him uh, and he's knocking down a bunch of them. So we've got to respect that. And so just changing that game plan. That's where, again, in the playoffs, you have to be able to take whatever the defense is giving you, mm-hmm. right? Over, over the course of an 82-game sample size, sure, you can, you, you can win – the shot spectrum game with the the threes and the rim attempts. But uh, in a seven game playoff series where a team is game planning for you, that's where it you've got to be able to look at the defense and say, Hey, okay, if this is what you're going to give us. This is what we're going to take. And we're going to take advantage of it. So um, I'm, I'm pretty confident that that's something he can add to his game. Frankly, even in the seven game series against Boston, Mm-hmm. Because of how much the, the Raptors struggled for offense, there were possessions where he did pull up in the mid-range because it was like, okay, this is the only shot I'm getting. And so I, hopefully that was sort of uh, the, the eye-opener for him to say, hey, this is, this is something that, that needs to be the next step. Yeah, there's no reason he shouldn't be nails on 18-footers. I mean, he's a good shooter all over the place. He's a great free-throw shooter. It kind of checks out that if he can kind of get to his spots and sort of make that more of a priority that he should be able to 
sort of figured that out. And that also kind of plays into the playmaking side of things and him being an on-ball creator with the ball in his hands more often this season and figure you'd figure that'd be the case going forward and we're going to talk about that I want to get into Fred Van Vliet as a playmaker as we're going to kind of change up the formula a little bit for this episode because it's a particularly weird one typically on these review shows we've gone sort of take a look at the season that was second segment we'll look at the season that's coming up next year and then the final segment we'll take a listener question but because the next season and the listener question that we have kind of regarding his contract status kind of go hand in hand because there is no Fred Van Vliet on the Raptors next season without that contract question being discussed. Uh, we're going to kind of lump all of that into the final segment. We're just going to continue talking about Fred and the season that was uh, in just a second. But first, I want to tell everybody about Built Bar, which is the best tasting protein bar you are ever going to try. It's so good. And they have 18 amazing flavors just for you to try out, including six brand new flavors that include caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Big V, you're a fan of Built Bars, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, do you have a new fl- you have a favorite flavor? I know you got a, a package pretty recently. What's your favorite flavor? Oh, man. Um, I got to go look at it because... <laughs> Because I, I got the sampler one, so it's like a bunch of different ones in in, in oh, one. Yeah. So yeah. it's almost like I like them by color as opposed to the name. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally fair. Uh, this is what I get for bringing you in on the ad read uh, unprepared. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> all those flavors do come in many colors and also, again, lots of different delicious flavorful uh, varieties you've got uh among those new flavors as i said you've got the carrot cake lemon almond cheesecake and a bunch of other ones the original flavors include peanut butter toffee almond which is my favorite flavor i think it's brown or it might be sort of beige i'm not sure and then you've got peanut butter brownie too bars are covered in 100 chocolate and they're soft and easy to chew as well as big v will attest built bar is great for the health conscious person as well lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat bars are low calorie low sugar high protein high fiber and they're great for keto diets as well some of the flavors uh, in their profile for example coconut almond 18 grams of protein 180 calories 5 grams of sugar and 5 grams of net carbs whereas the brand new cookies and cream 17 grams of protein just 130 calories 4 grams of sugar 4 grams of net carbs you can't do much better than that when it comes to a protein bar also right now built bar has a free cooler available with your purchase when you go to builtbar.com while supplies last so just go to builtbar.com use the promo code locked on you get 10 bucks off of your next order use the promo code locked on for 10 bucks off at builtbar.com this applies to new and past customers as well so get on it with locked on the promo code for 10 bucks off at builtbar.com and get yourself that free cooler as well next time i'll let big v know i'm bringing him in on the read <laughs> all right big v let's continue talking about fred van vliet so we talked about sort of his scoring output this season which was i think well beyond what I expected was going to be the case. And as we talked about, there's room for improvement. In terms of his playmaking, this was, again, a very good season for Fred Van Vliet, where I think he kind of expanded upon his capabilities. He averaged 6.7 assists per 36. That was good for just around six, just under seven assists a game as he played a lot of minutes per game for the Raptors this season. He was quite relied upon. 6.6 total assists uh, per game as uh, I scroll through basketball reference here. Um, I think, you know, he kind of took on obviously a more burdensome role as the creator for the offense. I think there were ups and downs there. I think we saw on maybe the last play of the season, if I recall, 
that Fred Van Vliet, still not quite the most decisive guy, maybe can't always blow by his guy the way that it seemed like Kyle Lowry could on a whim this season whenever he wanted to. It you know it, it's just something he's working on for sure, and I think. People who have their issues with Fred always point to the over-dribbling first and foremost because it is a thing that happens with him. He can suck the life out of, his, of a, out of a possession, and I think it's sort of symptomatic of, or maybe it's kind of the cause of, I suppose, uh, a lot of the issues the Raptors had in the half court this season where, you know, had the, maybe the possession started a little bit earlier instead of Fred driving 12 seconds of it into the ground with his, with his dribbles, maybe they get something better out of a possession, but that wasn't always the case, obviously. So my question to you, Vivek, is do you buy Fred Van Vliet as a number one sort of playmaker, initiator on a good team, or is he sort of better suited because of those flaws to being sort of a secondary creator, uh, you know, an off guard who can handle the ball, um, but you know, ultimately in big time moments, you're going to want someone else like a Kyle Lowry or even a Pascal Siakam to have the ball instead. Yeah, I think it's more the latter. I think he is someone who's better off ball at least at this point. And I, I, I think that's how he's going to be over the course of his career. Uh, just because I think that is his mindset. Uh, I think he is more of a score first guy. And that's why I think when you see him over dribbling, it's because you see the Raptors try to run an action and then that gets taken away. And then it, you could, he's sort of like, grinding through the gears of like, okay, what next, what next, you know, as opposed to just it, it come it being more seamless for someone who's a natural playmaker and uh, you know, whether it's just, you know, getting it to someone else for a reset and uh, keeping the play moving uh, or just having counters for the actions. Like we, we, we saw it at the end of the, at the end of game seven, right. Where the Raptors tried to run, their pet play that the hammer action to get that corner three uh and that that got taken away by the celtics and then it ends up being uh, a one-on-one situation where fred can barely get off a shot mm-hmm. and so uh i think that's that's going to be the big thing for him and so if you're a team that uh employs him then i think ideally you want uh another person who's more adept at handling the ball and playmaking and uh you know again he he, he's got decent playmaking chops it's just he he doesn't have it at the next level and i think the the test there becomes is like you know how many uh bigger sized guys uh do you have that can do that Mm -hmm. there are only so many right that that's kind of the conundrum where because he's small, you, you, you'd love for it to be him. So that way you can slot in someone uh, bigger uh, at shooting guard whenever Kyle Lowry is, is, is done with his career. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting, man. I, I think it's such a difficult standard because I think when you sort of pair Fred Van Vliet next to Kyle Lowry... It's like, well, why can't Fred just do what Kyle Lowry does? And, like, Kyle Lowry, as we've talked about, is, like, the smartest basketball player we've ever seen in a Raptors uniform, one of, like, the three smartest players in the entire NBA. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say Fred Van Vliet doesn't have a high basketball IQ that he can't survey the floor, but it's just it's it's an unfair standard to live up to Kyle freaking Lowry. And so I think 
you kind of get into the trap of thinking, well, he can just do that. But it's it's just Lowry's so like unique in that he's a six foot guy who can sort of survey and read the floor and pass like he is like a six five to six eight wing who has the ball handling chops and also the height and just sort of the the physical advantages to survey the entire floor and make all the passes you need to make. I just don't know if Fred is ever going to have that just because he you need one or the other. You need the superhuman computer brain or you need the just the, the, the size and just like the basic physical tools. And I don't think Fred quite has either of those things, um, unfortunately. And again, that's not to say Fred doesn't have insanely high basketball IQ, especially I think on defense. Like he's a genius defensively. And um, I don't want to like disparage the, the way he sees the floor or anything like that. Again, it's just an unfair standard next to Kyle freaking Lowry. So... Yeah, I think that's a more difficult thing to improve upon than, say, the scoring from the mid-range and things like that. That's stuff you can, you know, with reps, I think, kind of figure out. Whereas I think there's more sort of, you know, insurmountable limitations keeping Fred from being like a a, a league, world-renowned sort of floor general point guard like a Chris Paul or a Kyle Lowry. And that's fine. Like, that, that's totally okay because, as you talked about, like, if you pair him with another good ball handler like a Kyle Lowry or, you know, what you hope Pascal Siakam becomes or whatever uh, large, you know, Greek Nigerian man you're hoping to pick up in the summer of 2021, (laughs) that figures to fit pretty well, right? Like, I I think Fred, as he's proven already, can be a really instrumental cog in a championship-level team because of all the things he brings. I think if you're having him, you know, like potentially the Knicks or the Pistons, one of these other teams would be your number one, you're probably setting yourself up for a bit of a ceiling um, that is going to come in somewhere below where you actually want to be as a franchise. So, again, nothing. this is nothing against Fred, and, you know, far be it from me to bet against him uh, and <laughs> him figuring things out because he's freaking Fred Van Vliet, and he might just do it, but I just think the, the limitations are, are real enough that that's a more difficult thing for him to tangibly improve upon, but that's okay because if he's a guy who, you know, can ably run a pick-and-roll 70% of the time and you know make the you know not not just rudimentary passes but like sort of mid-tier next level reads you know if he's not hitting that top level skip pass across the floor read that like a Kyle or a LeBron can hit that's fine he's still a very good player with the things he can do and the things that he can touch up a little bit more tangibly so not too worried there we should probably quickly talk about his defense before we get into talk of his contract, Big V. Um, you know, he was incredible this season. I think you could have argued he was in the conversation for all defense, just like every single other Raptor, it seemed. Um, what do you think of his defense? Are there places he can improve there, or is he pretty much airtight on that end of the floor right now? He's really good. I mean, he definitely should have been right, right in the running for an all-defensive team, I thought. Uh, I thought it was that good this season. Uh, so I really don't have much to quibble with. Like, you know, I can't, I can't ask him to add four inches over the, uh, over the off season. Uh, so uh, besides that, I think, I think, I think he's really, really good. I think he, you know, he, he times traps really well when he's helping on doubles. He, he's great on ball. Um, yeah. I can't, I can't say enough good things about him uh defensively so yeah do you have anything no he's amazing (laughs) uh, (laughs) he's ridiculous he he allows them to play a box in one which is very cool um and you know if that's his lot in life being a point guard harasser that's uh that's all right with me i mean he kind of proved himself beyond being beyond reproach defensively by uh like haranguing 
Steph Curry for an entire finals. So, yeah, there's not much. It's just I felt worth talking about because he's really good at that end. And we've talked about his flaws a little bit in this segment, which I'd like to finish off on a strong note. You talked about the need for him to add four inches. Speaking of adding four inches, let me tell you right now about Roman. I'm sorry. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually when we just we'll just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like I lost my mojo or we'll avoid it altogether with excuses like I had a long day at work or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe and totally discreet with Roman. You can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan for you. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is also simple as hell. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today and connect with a healthcare professional to take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA. GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, Big V, we've come to the final part of the show where we answer a listener question all about Fred Van Vliet. A couple questions from different listeners about his contract. One from uh, YYC Raptors fans, our friends out there in Calgary. Another from Kyle Demetrius, a big Raptors fan who also is the host of Locked on Sharks on the NHL side of things. So go check that show out with Kyle. Um, The... Question has to do, again, with the amount of money, basically, that Fred's going to get, the length of the contract, all of those things that go into it here. We've talked about this quite a bit so far. I'm just kind of wondering, Vivek, we have very little reporting on the whole situation right now, and there's lots of different factors at play from the flattened salary cap to the lack of money out there from teams that are actually good, (laughs) and it being teams like the Knicks and the Pistons that seem to be kind of at the forefront of teams that might be able to poach Fred away. You have, of course, the 2021 offseason the Raptors are hoping to keep their powder dry for, and you also have the fact that Fred VanVleet is very good and a big part of the Raptors' culture that's been built up here in recent years. He's referred to a lot of times by younger guys on the team even though he is still quite young himself as being sort of their vet uh someone who sets a really good example terrence davis for example mentioned fred van vliet in talking about how he got acclimatized to the nba this season and was able to contribute right away by the way go listen to the terrence davis episode from yesterday um yeah so my my question to you is big v like What's your feeling on all of this? Is there a number that scares you away if you're the Raptors? We talked with Blake a couple weeks back, kind of how probably like 22 is the range where the Raptors start to get a little bit queasy. Um, you know, Is there a length of contract do you think the Raptors might be able to come away with here? Do you think Fred will want to go short, long? I mean, there's so many different things here. Where do you want to start? Yeah, I think I'll start with saying that I think the Raptors should do everything in their power to keep him. Uh, up to about twenty percent of the cap. We still we still don't know what the what, what the new cap is going to be. So I don't know if it makes sense to go off a specific dollar amount. But I I would hesitate to go over twenty percent of the cap uh, as as long as uh, he's in agreement around that number. Then I'm more than happy to bring him back because to tie in what we talked about in the first segment. You know, Fred, you know, is just a winner. 
and he makes winning plays on the defensive end, on the offensive end. I, I think he's the type of guy that maintains a very high floor for your team alongside a Pascal Siakam and an OG Ananobi uh, and a coach like Nick Nurse for years to come. And I think there's tremendous value in keeping a guy that's been through a bunch of battles alongside, uh, you know, your future franchise player or your future secondary franchise player and Pascal Siakam with all they've been through, you know, in, in the G League, then coming up, being part of the bench mob, then being part of the championship team, maybe having some growing pains this year. So uh, I'd be very much in favor of keeping that together and keeping both of them together. So I think you've really got to find a way to, you know, continue that tandem for the sake of the franchise's success. So that's where I'm at with Fred. Uh, such a smart guy. And I think, you know, sure, he doesn't, he doesn't play make like Kyle, um, but that, that mentorship, you can see the IQ plays that he makes, right? Those, those, uh, especially on the defensive end, just knowing when to help, knowing, knowing where he can sort of sneak in, uh, make certain plays, like all of that embodies what Kyle has been about. So, yeah, that's that's kind of where I am with Fred. Um, and, and in terms of the length of the contract, I'll throw in back in late April, Fred was actually asked about the possibility of, you know, a big one-year deal and mm -hmm. uh this is what he said so i quote i just did a two-year best case scenario no i wouldn't take a short-term deal everything is on the table i'm in a position where i feel i've done my work and i've proven my worth so we're gonna position ourselves the right way but also we're kind of waiting to see what's offered we can create the deal obviously but nobody knows what anything is going to look like so this hasn't even been on the table for discussion between me and my camp it's more like, let's wait and see what happens. And when it's time, then we'll sit down and negotiate. But I just did a two-year best-case scenario. No, I would not take a short-term deal. Yeah, that's uh, that's well said uh, by Fred and well uh, quoted back by you. I totally forgot that he sort of addressed this a little bit uh, back a few months ago. And yeah, I mean, can't blame him, man. I mean, the bet on yourself stuff is no joke. He like, do wants to get paid. And I feel like that's ultimately going to be the guiding principle for him as it should be like get your money dude and, and i guess it just comes down to as we've talked about before you know is it a value play of okay the knicks are offering me 24 million a year i could go play for the knicks which would be i guess i could go to the knicks the knicks are flashy and cool i guess but also they suck and i'm probably not going to win at the same level i have for the last few years with the raptors or do i come back and maybe the raptors offer 21 a year or something like that and is that trade-off of three mil a year enough to keep me in town? And, you know, it's totally up to Fred. I, I, I think based on the way he talks about winning and, and like, the culture and stuff like that, I, I could see why you could potentially compel him to stick around for a little bit less money. But you're not going to get, like, a hometown discount or anything like that because, A, those don't really exist, and, B, he's not someone who is wired where he's going to take any less money than he deserves. So... 
it's interesting. I, I I'm with you. I think around between like 19 and 22, I think I'm probably comfortable. Um, there are ways to open up cap space a year from now if need be, potentially even as much as it would suck and be kind of ghoulish, you know, moving off of Fred if that happens down the line. Um, you know, there's obviously the OG and Anobi stuff, and we're going to talk about OG later this week too, but um, there's the OG sort of extension and how that plays into things. There's Norm Powell's potential opt-in next summer. That also plays into all this decision-making and keeping those books open for 2021. Or, hey, maybe Giannis signs the Supermax and it becomes not an issue at all and you just bring Fred back, bring back the best team you can, maybe trade for Miles Turner or something, and then you just roll forward and you know kind of wait for your next opportunity. Um, that's also a possibility as well. I definitely think that, yeah, if, if Giannis does sign the Supermax, Fred's far more likely to come back to the Raptors, probably for even more money. Um, and if not, then maybe it, it kind of becomes more of a question for the Raps, but... I think they're going to value him. I think everything he does and everything he kind of carries himself with and the way he talks and the way he operates, all is very Raptors-y, and I don't see them letting him walk. If it's down to like a couple million bucks, I feel like they'll just be like, okay, we'll sign you for whatever you want, and then we'll figure the rest out later um, because they seem to kind of always think they can do that, and they have in the past with Damari Carroll and whatever it's been. Um, so it's fascinating, man. I, I hope he's back. <laughs> he's great. love Fred Van Vliet. He's uh he's probably inching closer with like another very good season or two to like nearly top ten Raptor of all time level. That's that's not crazy. I mean, it's not like there's a ton of competition, but it's uh. It's I mean, he's a great point. leader off the court too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so wow. that aspect of it, I mean, the voice he was with regards to uh, the social justice all throughout the bubble. Um, Again, Terrence Davis already looking at him as a mentor, uh, and him guys like him, Norm Pascal already being young leaders for this franchise speaks volumes of who they are as people. And so, I, I think you want as many of those guys around uh, for, for as long as possible. I mean, I'm, I'm I've I've always been very anti tanking. I just don't believe in it whatsoever. Yeah, it's bad. It's stupid. Yeah. And so, uh, so yeah, I think for me, it's really important to just maintain success, maintain winning habits. And, uh, and, and then I think other franchises, other, other players, more importantly, recognize that. So when they're, when their opportunities come in free agency or whatever it may be, they're, they're looking at Toronto and saying, Hey, that, that, that's the type of organization I want to be around. Yeah. And it applies to just like taking care of your guys too, right? If a team is viewed as lowballing a guy who's won a championship for them and was excellent in a season in which they improved upon their record in the championship season, you know, you don't know how that's going to be perceived around the league by others. And if you're looking to have become like a free agency type team, that all that stuff matters. All that perception stuff is is important on some level here and there. So um, that's, I think, a pretty good place to leave this one. We're going to talk about Fred Van Vliet, I'm sure, a lot of times between now and the end of all of this. <laughs> it's uh, it's going to be a long few months here, but I look forward to seeing how it all transpires. And we'll have you, Big V, here to help us uh, walk ourselves through it. Do you have anything good, sir, before we let you go that you would like to plug? Um, I'll have some stuff coming up for Complex and some other stuff, so you can always look out for that. Uh Besides that, you can follow me on Twitter at Vivek M. Jacob. Totally. 
Uh, look forward to uh, all the stuff you got coming out over Complex. Uh, in terms of uh, this year' podcast, you can find it on Twitter uh, at, at Locked On Raptors. You can find me at Woodley Sean. Subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff wherever you get your podcasts. Also, I'm going to hint at a few good guests coming up. We got some fun ones lined up next week. Uh, the the father of all Raptors writers, Doug Smith, is going to come on the podcast for his first appearance to tee up his book, which uh, comes out next week, or I think it's on the 20th, actually. So um, that'll be a lot of fun. We'll get into some fun Raptors history with, uh, with Smitty, and that'll be a blast. And then later on this month, there's a very good Toronto band called the OBGMs. They kick ass, they're a punk band, they rule, and their lead singer, Denz, is going to come on the podcast uh, later in the month to promote their new album, which is dropping on October the 30th. So get excited for that as well. Uh, some fun guests as we get into the off season. I have to get creative to fill time because we're almost running out of this 2019-20 season in review series that has gotten us through almost a month. It's been very nice, but got to come up with some new ideas. So fun guests coming up very soon. Keep an ear out and be sure to tune in. Again, Doug Smith next Tuesday. Still figuring out when Dens from the OBGMs is going to be on, but that'll be soon too. And that will do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you again on Thursday with another episode of Locked on Raptors.